this week's episode of the Founder and the Force Multiplier podcast, where we explore how founders and leaders work together with their right-hand partners to turn ideas into action and build wildly successful businesses. Today, I'm speaking with Jay Papazan and Carly Fox. Jay is a best-selling author who serves as the Vice President of Strategic Content for Keller Williams Realty International, the world's largest real estate company. He is also Vice President of Keller Inc. and co-owner alongside his wife, Wendy, of Papazan Properties Group with Keller Williams Realty in Austin, Texas. His most recent work with Gary Keller on The One Thing has sold over 3 million copies worldwide and garnered more than 500 appearances on national bestseller lists, including number one on the Wall Street Journal's hardcover business list. It has been translated into 41 different languages. Carly is the executive assistant to Jay Papasan. In addition to her core duties as Jay's gatekeeper and email calendar wrangler, she runs point on the operations for his real estate newsletter, The 20 Percenter. The highlight of her work with Jay is being his strategic partner in growing the newsletter's audience and social media footprint. I cannot wait for you to hear how Carly and Jay met and got into partnership together and how they communicate, lead, and grow together. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I think you will, then be sure to let us know in all the usual places, such as leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this episode. Hi, Jay and Harley. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. We're happy to be here. Yes, it's exciting. This is the first time we've done one of these together. Oh, cool. That That's really awesome. Well, I mean, clearly, I know that you are readers. Jay, I follow you on Goodreads and... I probably follow you somewhere else as well, <laughs> but I'm clearly with the bookshelf behind you. But I'd love to hear like what you're currently reading, like what's at the top of your book stack? What are you on listening to on Audible right now? So right now for me, I can't even, like I'm reading Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which Carly recommended, which is a fabulous novel. But I was going to tell you that the best two things is I do read a lot and sometimes they're not great, but I have to read them for work anyway because it's research. But the two yeah. best books I've read that I can recommend, I read The Mountain Issue by Brianna Weist, nice. which yeah. I'm not usually into the self-help part, right? Because it's a lot of identifying the problem and not enough solutions, which is where I mm-hmm. like to go. But it was fabulous, just absolutely fabulous. And uh, the best nonfiction I read was The Gates of Fire by Stephen Pressfield, which is historical fiction. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I will, I've only read a little bit of Stephen Pressfield before, but I definitely like his work. And I love The Mountain Is You. Great, great yeah. recommendations. Yeah. This is the first fiction I've read by Stephen Pressfield. I've only read oh. his nonfiction for writers, stuff like The War Same, of Art. Same, yeah. Like yeah, interesting. Carly, what, what about you other than Tomorrow tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which I have on my list, but maybe oh, I'll need to push Hallie. that up to the top. Like, you yeah. didn't want that. Okay, okay, I will. <laughs> I was so crushed when it was over, but in the best way, and I can't wait to read it again. It was really great. Really? That good? Okay, okay. I'm about a quarter of the way in, and I can tell yeah. it's going to be a great book. It's just got that oh. vibe. It's really well written. Okay, awesome. I always need a good fiction recommendation because I always get the business books. <laughs> well, so yeah. I'll do another fiction, and then I'll share my nonfiction that I'm reading now. Yeah. So I'm in a book club with a bunch of friends, and my latest pick was True Biz by Sarah Novick. I think it's Novick, maybe Novick. Okay. And it follows students at a deaf school. And so big D, deaf. And so that was a community that I just, I don't know a lot about. And there are 12 of us in this book club. And so we each get one pick a year. And I spent hours trying to pick the right book. And it was a good pick. Nice. I've not heard of that one. It's a good one. And then as part of my work with the 20 percenter, 
and supporting Jay in content development. He suggested Show Your Work by Austin Kleon. And it's small and it's beautiful to look at. And I'm loving it. Nice. So those are three that I have never read before. Three out of four out of all of the five that you recommended. So thank you for adding to my list. Yay. Okay. So let's dive into the partnership. I believe you began working together in 2019, so about three years ago or so. We inter- Four years ago. You interviewed me in 2019. That's but right. I started well, okay. January 2020. Second. Yeah. January 2nd, 2020. Oh, right. 2020. We met in 2020. That's right, Carly. So, Jay, was this your first EA or not? And, and how did that kind of come about and why did you decide to make this hire? So, I, Carly's my seventh EA, if you don't count oh. the first person... <laughs> It's not like I've had that turnover. I've actually had a long period yes. of time. Okay. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Fair and right. I had to go back. It was great. Like I, I hired a lady who was going to be a research analyst that was part-time doing, like helping with my scheduling back in 2004 and assuming all me, but I'm not counting her because she was like a research analyst that went on to lead our whole research department. Mm-hmm. But she just did it out of necessity. But very quickly, my job grew. I was running our education team and I had to hire someone full-time. So lady named Olga was my first DA. She became a trailing spouse about a year later and had to leave and go to California. Mm-hmm. And then like miraculously, Teresa Metcalf, who's currently Gary Keller's chief of staff, or what do they call her? She's an executive admi- no. No, business. administrative business partner. There we go. Yes. Got it. Yeah. So like she's really one of the best historically. Yes. I was fortunate enough like to have her raise me for a couple of years. <laughs> Before our COO snatched her away from me, then I had a lady named Diane that I hired very specifically for legal and contracts. She moved into operations role. I had a lady named Sarah who came in to help me with writing and marketing. That was during the Great Recession. So I had two virtual EAs. I'd still call them EAs. They were both full-time professional EAs, but they were virtual. And right before I hired Carly, I went from my small publishing role back to running three departments very quickly. I think my Orem chart went from seven to 44. And I was just like, I loved my virtual EA. I was like, this is not working for me anymore. I've got to have someone outside of my door that can help me transition and do all the other things. And of course we interviewed, I had like a six month search before I found her. I really just struggled to find what I was looking for. She started and what, three months later, COVID hit and we had to go virtual. So the irony is the main reason we got into partnership, like COVID, like, but we adapted and that's kind of been the track record for the last three years, just adapting to change together. So that's a lot longer than maybe you asked for. <laughs> the reason no. I was looking for Carly is my org grew really rapidly and right. I needed someone on the ground with me every day. You know, I get, a, I do get the question a lot about how do you form that partnership, particularly in the relationship remotely. So you had a, maybe a couple of months together before you had to go your separate ways and go remote. So how did you cultivate that relationship like in the first six months, especially because you were remote? Can I share some? I want you to share the whole thing, but you need to go back to the interview process. Like I almost wouldn't interview you. Yes, I know. And I think this is funny. Yeah, I, want, I definitely want to hear that story. This is where you come in. Oh, <laughs> you do, Hallie. I think I may have shared, but I, yeah. I'm a speech pathologist. I've worked in education in so many different roles. I've been a teacher. I've been a student advocate. And I w- my husband and I were expecting our first daughter and Sadie, who's now almost four. It's crazy. 
And I had no intention of leaving education. I will say I had always wondered, like, what else is out there? I work so hard and I'm paid so little. And like, is that weird that I am ambitious and I have so many other skills, but I just kind of felt boxed in and like I needed to follow the plan of what I had set for myself. And, you know, a really unfortunate situation during my maternity leave with my former employer really gave me pause and had me think about, you know, the type of career path I wanted for myself, the way I wanted to be treated in my workplace, the type of example I wanted to set for my then one month old child as far as what she deserves. And yeah. So anyway, I started thinking about the type of positions outside of education I could really lean into. And I kept coming back to the role of an EA thinking, and and this was a hangup of mine, like no one is going to want to interview me. You know, I have a master's degree. I have a lot of transferable skills, but I have never been an EA before. And yeah, so Jay says he almost didn't interview me. I think at that point I had applied to maybe 50 or 60, that's no exaggeration, positions. And I kept getting turned down. And it was a little bit discouraging, but I really did think like, I have a lot to offer here and it's going to take one right thing, right? Like one right conversation. And a friend of mine at the time worked at the Southwest Market Center here in Austin and knew Wendy's then assistant and passed my resume along. And Jay took the screening call as a favor. And I was kind of a jerk. I was like, normally I wouldn't be doing this because you have no experience, but let's talk. And he did actually say that, Hallie. I'm not proud, proud, but I was trying to hold to my criteria. Yes. Yeah. Well, and then it helped you, you, Carly, figure out what you're getting yourself into, I suppose, if he was just that direct. Yeah. Then I Um, asked, I said, why do you want to be on this career path? Where does it think it go? And that's when. I had actually read the founder and the force multiplier. I had no idea that you were affiliated with Keller Williams. I was just crazy. Hungry for knowledge and for a voice in my head, like telling me like, keep going, this is the right thing. And so, yeah, we started talking and you mentioned like they're actually with Keller Williams. Yeah. And I say, where do you think this goes? She goes, well, someday I want to be a chief of staff. And I was like, how do you even know that exists? Like, I mean, very few people that work in business know that that's kind of one of the endpoints of the A. Right, right. That's what she said. I read this book and I was like, I know those people. <laughs> I work with them. And so then like, that's that Crazy. moment. Like I know yeah. it's like, okay, the kind of person that would read that book to prepare for this interview is someone worth exploring. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Jay, I think you just answered it for me. What, what made you continue down that the interview path? And so. You, it, it, your book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Carly. <laughs> it's one thing for someone to say, I want to do something. It's another yeah. for them to really digest a whole business book around that career path before mm. the first interview. A lot of people just want to learn on the yeah. job. But like yes. that says, I'm willing to prepare in advance for whatever journey I'm going on. And those are the kind of people you want on board, right? Like they're they're going to show Absolutely. up ready to go. Yeah, 100%. It's very cool. Very cool origins are. And the power of networks, having a network. Oh, yeah. Fairly, you had that that friend or friend or colleague or coworker, whoever that and then I'm, I mean, I know that you, I'm sure you guys hear this all the time, but I was just reading something recently too that said that still like networks is still the number one way that people are getting. Of course. Jobs and careers. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back just a second to how you started that relationship, particularly remotely. Cause that, again, that is just a big question that we get a lot. One of the best gifts we have, you know, cause you work in the same company is that in those first three months, 
she had to accompany me to our annual conference called Family Reunion. And at the time I was leading education and video. So every video you see there, one of my teams was doing. Every class you see there, one of my teams was doing. And so like, I just like, either she's gonna make it through her first 90 days or she'll run screaming. And like, she had a lot to digest very quickly. Yeah. And so she did. She was like there, like acting like a linebacker, blocking for me as I was making my way through. Politely. Politely and with good humor. And <laughs> I was just like, okay, you earn your trust by doing what you're asked to do. And then often by doing it well enough that people will go, wow, I can give that person more. I can give that person more. And pretty much every interaction, it was very trying. Like you understand how big this event, like 14,000 people. Yes. 120 something classes that we had to curate, massively complex. And even though she was brand new to the role, brand new to the industry, mm -hmm. just not daunted by that all. So it was like, we will talk about this later. She very quickly started earning my trust. And I just kind of knew when we went into COVID, I didn't know how long it would last. Mm -hmm. But I was like, we'll figure it out. Like she's shown to be herself to be incredibly resourceful. We will find a way. Yeah. I think for me too, Hallie, having the huge event so close to my start date was a gift for me because there's no way that you can fully understand what you're getting yourself into, right? Like what the energy is like, who Jay is, how he yeah. shows up, who the people are that are VIPs in his world, you know, the things that the, our company does for agents. Like I, it was just a really great way to meet everybody, see how all of the players fit together. And it was fun. Like I'm a caregiver by nature. So knowing that a lot of my job is making sure Jay is comfortable and prepared and ready where he needs to be. Like, I think we also got to see each other's sense of humor, you know, like nothing brings you together like 10 plus hour work days. She, she yeah. make a good Marine too. I'm sure her backpack weighed about 80 pounds with all of the <laughs> snacks, water, something for everything, band-aids. Like yeah. she had this giant backpack you were lugging around. Yeah. Would not let me help her. And she's well, like, nope. But then she would just like magically pull out, well, I've got this for you if you need it. And I'm like, what? Carly, I remember meeting you at the event. And one of the things I specifically remember is the backpack. Well, <laughs> I have to share with both of you. I mean, we can all do the math here. Like I started working for Jay when my child, my first child was three months old. So I was oh. nursing mom. <laughs> That's right. right. You had equipment that you were carrying I had around. equipment in my backpack. Oh. Right? Which, you know, I'm. I'm really not embarrassed to share. Like, I think it was also a good lesson in like, I can be a mom and that is my most important role. And I could also do something really great for myself, which was embark on a new career path. But yeah, that yeah. backpack held many things. That's cool. It's probably that's too early in our relationship for you to share all of the equipment that was in there, but it seemed to magically hold pretty much everything we needed to <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So successful business partnerships, strategic business partnerships, like we like to call them look very different for every relationship. What is the one thing that makes your partnership work? We have the same answer. Communication and trust are everything. It's two things. I get it. But yeah. the, the lifeblood, I think, of these relationships are how well you communicate with each other and how well you trust each other. Because like, she has to trust me when I can only give her limited insight. Yeah. But she still has to act. And I have to trust her knowing I'm giving her limited instruction to carry and go get the outcome for me. And so like how quickly we can communicate and make those 180 turns together and trust that each other are going to have each other's back. 
what does your communication cadences or communication strategies and structure look like? Go ahead. I'll let you do this because you have to curate. Kelly, I don't know that this is the answer that you want, but I sit right outside and we, I am leaning more and more into doing a 411 with Jay. Mm. It is not something that like, I, I feel like I excel at taking care of you most days. And I think for me, something that I'm really working on is figuring out how to keep my own time blocks how to be more purposeful with our communication sometimes. Right now, though, because Jay's world, I mean, you just used the metaphor of an accordion, like Jay's world is like this. And so I, in order to try to sometimes stay ahead of you, like I am not as purposeful as I can be. We do a lot of one-off communication pieces. Like I'm constantly in and out of his office, but I will say, like, I think that will always happen. And Having a regular 411 and making that 411 work for me will help us be more purposeful, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure if your listeners know what a 411 is, but that's our version of like, here are my priorities for work and life based on the year, the month, and the week. And so, like that, I meet weekly with most of my direct reports. Like, if we get one or two a month where we're really focused on your 411, not triaging tasks, Mm -hmm. which is, yeah. A lot of those things, and it started during COVID, Mm -hmm. right? We would like, you would either sit in on my Zooms and then hang out and we would have like five minutes. Like, what can I take off of your plate? What And just constantly kind of like a a triage nurse, right? Mm -hmm. We're in there. This patient can sit for a while. This patient needs to go to the ER. Mm -hmm. This patient, right? And that's kind of a lot. We have a, a lot of moving parts in your world. We have to do that one or two times a day, I feel like, to stay ahead of it. Yeah, I was going to ask you if those are daily or do you think that if you had a weekly meeting, any of those, the daily syncs would be mitigated or do you feel like you would absolutely still need them? I don't know if you agree or not. I think what I do, Hallie, like Jay has always said, like, because my 411, if things would cramp on his calendar and I try to be a gate, a gatekeeper and be proactive, but like you, we work at a place that is constantly changing and priorities are shifting and Early on in our partnership, if something had to move, I would make it my 411 because I thought, like, I'm right outside his office. It's fine. We're going to connect anyway. Right? Like, that is kind of what I would do. Yeah. And now, very, that's very common. Yeah. And now, like, I know that I need to block time with Jay so that we're recording this reel and I need to talk to him about these five things. Like, if I see spots on his calendar and I know that what I have is important. I'm going to block time for myself in addition to my 411. So I, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to have us back on Hallie in a year. After yeah. I've had a year of doing my 411 and I'll tell you and Jay will. Too. Okay. <laughs> Deal. The nature of how we designed the 411 is around the big rocks and priorities. And for better or worse, depending on where you are in this journey, a lot of the EA's job is taking my 80% and getting me back focused on the, the big rocks. Mm-hmm. So it ends up being a big task list, which is not kind of the heart of what we call a 411 session. So right, yeah. it's always a little bit of compromise, but I try to, I wanted to stay in touch with that as much as I could because I earned the right. Harley's shares some of her personal goals. And that gave me a chance to also kind of get a sense of where are we, where is she, you know, and mm-hmm. I build that trust level. So when you had your second child, like that was a conversation we got to plan for well in advance. And it was just like, it was just like, she set us up for success for that. And we were good. 
Hallie, one thing I wanted to add in terms of communication and our, our rhythm for doing that, we got to a point probably maybe a year ago, a year and a half ago, where I felt like I can help Jay and I can execute at a much higher level strategically if I only had more time in my day or more space to do that. And Jay said, well, it sounds like we need to find leverage for you. And I, I really struggle with the term leverage. Jay knows this. I understand that there, yeah. there's people leverage and then there's is it technology systems. Okay. systems leverage. Yeah, there's yeah. different ways we get leverage in our lives. And leverage is the yeah. concept that's not turning people into tools. I don't leverage. love that. I was wondering what your issue with that word was. Yeah. It makes me feel a little bit gross, but I know it, it's not. It's just a mental shift that I have to make. But figure, yeah. but having Jay and I'm leveraged for Jay say, like, you need leverage. Like yeah. that took a while and I kind of put it off. And now I can say, since October, I have a, a VA partner who supports me in supporting Jay. And I think that tremendously has changed the way that we work together. Oh, yeah. It allowed, That's it frees huge. up a lot of Carly's strategic thinking to focus on bigger yeah. problems. And she can just delegate a lot of the tasks. Just out of curiosity, what are you leveraging to the VA? Sure. So, I mean, there's so much. I will say- I don't even know. So she might be like, what can I reveal? <laughs> You're not supposed to know, right? Like I think part of the magic here is like, I don't I don't want you to know. As long as it's getting done and getting accomplished yeah. and you're not having to worry about it, I feel like I've done my job. But I will say I was spending a lot of time and energy, Hallie, and doing a lot of like routine thing, like routine tasks that we had an SOP for. And it like more plug and chug type things like mm -hmm. keeping Jay's contacts, which is an ongoing thing for us up to date. Jay has been on a number of podcasts and I kept thinking like, how amazing would it be if we had a resource with links to all of the podcasts you've been on and contact information and just, I'm giving some examples. So yeah. systems and things that I know are priorities for Jay, but would require me to be just like plugging in information. I am getting support with Angela. She's also now, we're really trying to make a push to grow the 20% or Jay's weekly real estate newsletter. And I've been wanting to find a way to meaningfully contribute, right? Aside from running the operations, which are also so important. And so I can't, I don't have time to manage all of the social media stuff and, and make all of the reels. And so Jay said, like, Carly, at some point, you're going to have to figure out what you trust Angela with and what will you let her take off your plate? And so a lot of it now is that she's supporting us with a lot of social media pieces and putting together posts and reels based off of the footage that we're getting. So a long that answer. Yeah, that no, that, that's awesome. And, and how does it feel for you, um, Carly? You know, at first a little weird, right? Like I'm not used to sharing the load, but like I'm also getting a chance to work as a manager and that's something that I've never done before. So I feel like I have to relinquish some control, which I'm sure is what you had to go through the first time you had an EA, right? Or someone supporting you. It's a little bit, yeah. it's a little weird at first, but then mm -hmm. it's so gratifying. And she does like the social media pieces, the things that she puts together are more beautiful than I could even imagine sometimes. Right. So it makes me proud too. And I can see that she likes what she's doing and she's feeling fulfilled and she's earning my trust to do more and more. So. Hallie, you yeah. know, like Gary and I used to go on stage and talk about flipping the idea of an executive assistant and turn it into an assistant executive. Yeah. 
And most people are just interested in having assistance versus having leadership. It doesn't show up on its own. Like, I think it's something that you have to lean into together. And like, so that was a conversation, like yeah. in the interview process, I told her that was my philosophy. And cause I know I did that with all of them and just see how they digest that and whether they're willing to grow into it. And so yeah. like, this is great. Like a VA is a very small expense that amplifies force multiplies using your language, right? Kind of the equation of the two of us working together. Cause now yeah. she's got this extra person like even more of the little things that add up to a lot over time can get done and done at a high level. And she's learning leadership. So yeah. like, like whether we're still working together in this relationship in 10 years or not, that'll serve her wherever she goes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that you were both committed to really to being in a partnership. I think that's often the missing link between an assistant or an EA and their, their leader is, of the other just is there for a job or one of the other is just there for like Jay, like you said, like an assistant or just for a little bit of leverage, but they're not really entering it, wanting a business partner to each be working on their, their strengths to accomplish the goals of the, the business. Right. So I love that you were intentional about that. So things seem to be going well, but I always like to hear about the challenges. Have there ever been any challenges, whether with the business or with the partnership specifically that you had to either have a tough conversation or just really had to, to, to work through? And how did you overcome that? We had to, like, it's a mile a minute around here. You know, the world that we inhabit. And, mm -hmm. you know, when the leader of our organization says, don't fear change, make it a strategy, like he lives that every day. So we deal with a lot of change. So from the challenges standpoint, I think we've rolled through a lot of them, starting with COVID to multiple organization and job duty changes. We've had, you know, political issues, right, that happen in any team and all of those things that happen, right? Mm -hmm. So on that side, like, every time you get through one of those in any relationship, every time you survive, like the storm, you have more mm -hmm. faith in the ship. And then you can maybe go into a bigger storm next time knowing, like, this is pretty seaworthy craft and we're getting better at navigating it. And so, like, I feel like that is just part of the trust that's built up between us, like, we know how we each show up in those moments. We know when the other person needs them in those moments. And we know how to, to make those work together. Like biggest challenges, like working together. Sometimes he'll say like, it's time. You have to go pick up your children, right? <laughs> I mean, I think I, I didn't know Hallie when I started working with Jay. I mean, first I think, I think our partnership works because it's the two of us together. Like I feel really blessed in that way, truly. Like, I, I'm so motivated by everything that you're doing. I, I really respect you and also really like you. And I think really getting along with the person, right? Like, you ha that has to be there. Yeah. I think seeing how Jay is a leader in our company weathers the storms and shows up for us and for our team just gives me more respect. And I also really value that if something doesn't sit right with me, like, we close the door and and we're, we're talking through it together. And I, I feel... I mean, it goes back to that communication, right? And to that trust. And I, I like, I need to feel uh, that the place that I'm working for is in, in line with my values and that this relationship, like we value the same things. And I, yeah, I scored the jackpot. I'm going to be honest. We don't always agree, but I think it makes us both smarter. You know how it is. Like it's a, there's a, a weird aspect to how close the relationship can be right so mm -hmm. yeah. like because me and carly work doesn't mean that i would work for the next person or she would work for the next person mm -hmm. that's just Absolutely. 
either luck or a little bit of the hard work on the communication side. But like, we haven't had like a massive challenge. Like we've had failures, yeah. mm -hmm. but like, I also approach that. Like, I don't like it. I've got a document, mutual expectations. And Carly's printed it for a lot of people who work for me. Like, here's how you win and lose with Jay. I try to be clear and consistent. But like, it's when people repeat the same mistakes the third or fifth time is when I get on the wrong side of happy. And so I look up and it's not like I yell and scream, but I no, get disappointed. Never, and never. Carly, like I knew enough to look for someone who is wanting to lead their own life in a really interesting way, which means they're going to grow and learn. Mm -hmm. And people who are committed to growing and learning, they don't make a lot of the same mistakes again and again because they're, they're paying attention and they're hard on themselves. So like some of that selection, right? I, I, I made a good choice. I turned down like several people that had different levels of experience and waited around until we found Carly. Mm -hmm. And some of it's also what we grew together. So I, I wish I had some fun story. I have this. a funny one though, uh -oh. actually. Okay. 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 So Jake had been asking me like, Carly, I need to, we need to set up time with this person, Christina. She lives in Boise. Oh, <laughs> wait, I, uh, maybe I didn't even know the Boise part. Anyway, I like, it was on my list. Like I know Jay needs to schedule this meeting. So Hallie, I had been writing to the wrong Christina by email for weeks, weeks. And at the end of it, I'm like, Jay, I have been writing and it's, you know, it's been crickets. And then, oh, they wrote back. We looked this person up. It was not the right Christina. And I was mortified, <laughs> but also how hilarious is that? And then the That's right funny. Christina came to the office. Yeah. So well, I think so much of it is like he knows that I am so much harder on myself than he would ever be on me. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, I have really high expectations for myself and like you, I feel like are always in my corner telling me like, we're going to make mistakes and it is okay. And I, that gives me permission to try. Mm. Right. And, and to not get in, get stuck in analysis paralysis, which is something that I do sometimes. Right. Like I know that he knows I have his back and I am going to do the best job that I can and I am going to make mistakes and he gives me permission to fail. And so we're just failing forward all the time. I had a good friend like an, an advisor say in terms of anybody that works for you, you'd always rather say, whoa, than giddy up. Mm. And so like yeah, that so go home, like every time I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's time to go home. You got to pick up your kids. Like I always know I'm on the right side. Yes. Versus like, where have you been for the last hour? Like I that's totally never said around here, right? Totally. You know, I just think it's just interesting to even just to watch your dynamic and, and hear your story because because I can just, I know the audience that will listen to this and it, it's more rare than you think this, the partnership that you have and the fact that Jay, you're, you are such an open, transparent, vulnerable leader who's open to failure and open to their, their assistant making mistakes. Is that something that you learned or or how do you think that we can get more leaders to be like that? Well, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, yeah. I do think I learned some of this from my dad. Yeah. My dad ran several big companies. He had a boss that was very much a micromanager. And mm -hmm. I just remember my dad coming home and, you know, he would come home in time to have dinner with the family, but often sit in his chair and be reading memos and stuff until he fell asleep. And the next day, that was just, I mean... In his first executive job, he had 1,200 and something employees. Oh, so yeah. I was like, but he also was like one of those people that definitely wanted to lead through others. And that's one of the things that attracted me to working with Gary. I mean, I think all great leaders, there's a part of them. They have a vision. When it doesn't show up the right way, they're going to call it out. How they do it says a lot about 
where they've learned their leadership skills. That's right. So I learned it, I think, first from my dad, who could have very high standards, but like he never made it feel personal. Like, you need to do that again. You can do better. Like, mm -hmm. I was always afraid of his disappointment more than his anger mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, yes. and that's what I told Gary, you guys, like, you know, what, how do I, how do people win with you? And I just said, have faith in me. I hate to let people down. So I don't know. I think I've learned it kind of the old fashioned way, but I've also tried to, like, I've seen the other kind. I just, I also know yeah. what I can't stand. I hate being micromanaged. Mm -hmm. I do have control issues. Like, I want to negotiate that in a reasonable way. That's why I was like, everybody's going to screw up. It's when they keep repeating it that I lose my patience. And I'm just like, yes. okay, we've got to now really have a talk because it's like the fifth time, which is not something I've ever had to say to Carly, but I have to say it, right? Because that's what happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is that a good answer? I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. I can get a different dad. That's not very helpful. <laughs> no, but I, I just think that at least you're thoughtful about it, right? And you can go back and like look at the lessons that you learned or where you're picking up new information from. I, I don't, I can't remember what the stat was. Maybe you, one of you have heard it before, but the managers don't get their first formal leadership training until they're, I think until they're like 20 years into their assignment as a leader, as a yeah. manager. And I mean, that's just shocking to me. So we do have a lot of untrained leaders out there just trying to figure it out. And and then, of course, that does affect the chiefs of staff and the executive assistants, of course, who are working with them and trying to support them. I'll also um, go back and credit my 30A, Teresa Metcalf. Yes. She was experienced. And I, I, I kind of even alluded, I think, like she kind of helped raise me as an executive. <laughs> And Gary mm -hmm. was very specific. And like, I can't remember who our HR director is. I think I want to pair you with Teresa. She's got more work experience than you do. So mm -hmm. like she can be, because like, I was running two big departments back then too. And it's yeah. just like, she can be someone you can lean into. They can be your partner on decision-making and navigating some of these things. And I do see that in some companies. Like they won't oh, send yes. you to any formal leadership training, but they might pair you with the, the person whose experience fills gaps that you have. Yes. Yeah. You very, very, very for sure. Like, here's how we went yeah. together. No, I yes. am doing this because if you don't do that other thing, you get fired, you get fired, I get fired. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. A lot of EAs do have to, especially newer executives, need to help them navigate what being an executive looks like. Yeah. I had no idea. I knew it. To, yeah. I barely knew it. It meant to be a writer, much less an executive. Carly, you mentioned one thing a few a few minutes ago about sometimes you would you'll go into into conversations with Jay. You might have to close the door and maybe say something to him that you know maybe bring up an issue or something that didn't go well or as planned. I'm assuming you're giving him maybe negative feedback or constructive criticism of some sort in those conversations. Did is that a learned? I guess my my point of the question is because that is a huge fear of a lot of executive assistance is bringing things up to their to their leaders. They know what the right answer is or they know what should be said, but they have a fear of saying it. Did you learn that in any particular way or is that just been part of your behavior? First, I think when we close the door, a lot of it, and I think this is something I, it's important to me to have a pulse on everybody in Jay's orbit here, right? And to have trusting relationships with those people too, because I know that if they trust me as an extension of Jay, like it works better for all of us. And so it's not so much ever that I've had criticism for you. I think we're both very learning based though. And we want to know how we show up in different situations. And sometimes conversations just are not appropriate to have with an open door, mm. you know? But she's she's mm. like, I mean, the very first interview that I was reluctant to have, she's no shrinking violet. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, okay. She's going to be assertive when she needs to be assertive. 
the way, like, I mean, you got this history of school teaching, like she can do the whole like level change in her voice. Like, no, we're going to do another one of these. And <laughs> there's no questioning it at that point. Like yes. husband, when we're doing videos and she goes, yes. let's do another take. And like, what she's not saying is that take sucked. Right. And she'll say, I think we can do better. Yes. So yes. Like, her style of feedback works for me. I'd rather not know that the last thing I did really sucked. Oh my but God, she no. says like, okay, we're going to do that again. Do it again. Here's what I'm looking like. She'll just give me some directorial instruction. But Hallie, I think, I mean, like I am his hype woman in this room a lot of the time, right? <laughs> like I take yeah. that really, like I do. Like I, I care so much. I mean, what Jay was talking to, we're working on the 20 percenter, right? And we both yes. knew that we needed to really tap into social media to help grow this following. And like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I am learning every day and we're figuring things out together. And I do like sometimes when I'll say we need to do another cut, it's because I know the thing that he just said to me when we were off camera, like hit me so profoundly that like mm -hmm. the last take didn't quite cut it. Like you need to bring a little <laughs> bit more. But I think you from the first interview, I, I promised myself when I was doing this, like embarking on this career path, I'm going to be completely unabashedly myself. And it mm. will it will serve me well to do that. It will serve the people that I'm working with. And so I give you a lot of credit, to, you know, for that. Like I feel very comfortable in our partnership to speak my mind if I know that it's going to serve us both and, and serve mm -hmm. the business. She's clearly really hard to work with, right? I mean. <laughs> yes, I can. Yeah. I'm, just, I don't know how you do it. actual self is a disaster, of course, right? <laughs> They're all like, oh God, when does Carly go home for the day? So I did want to talk about the 20 percenter a little bit. So Love the social, by the way. I think I told you that, Jay, maybe last a week or so, but love the social. So Carly, congrats on that Yay. with you and Angela. So tell me a little bit about that project and how do you collaborate on it? Who's doing what? And really just how do you divide and conquer that and other projects that you might that you might work on together? Like the normal division is kind of the natural. Like I'm going to do the writing and creative and okay. she's going to crowd the operation. So making sure that the software was set up and the landing page. And like, I can come in and do the creative and vision, which is where I'm going to bring the most value. And even though she didn't know any of that stuff, she learned how to use the, we use ConvertKit. She had to learn a brand new program. She'd done this on my personal newsletter. So she'd done it, but not at this level, like landing pages. And so we're just learning together, but she just took those things and ran with them. And the part that was fun is that she started to show an interest like in the goals, like how are we going to hit the goals mm -hmm. and how do we market? And this is something we haven't gotten to yet, but I had the gift of seeing, you know, I've had 70 A's. And so when I can look back and go each one, like they all have to be good at some common core skills, right? Can you triage mm -hmm. my calendar? Can you be a gatekeeper? Those are the core roles that they all have in common. And those are all skills that anybody can learn. Each one brought different things to the table. Teresa was the first person to earn the right to take over my inbox. I mean, I'm a writer. I'd written best-selling books. Like the idea of someone ghostwriting my emails was weird. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not comfortable with that. And she's like, I'm going to draft your responses. I've been in your inbox long enough. And if you like it, just hit go or just edit it. And mm. we did that long enough where I was just like, I stopped even looking. And she goes, do you want to look at it? I'm like, no, just send them. And That's then all right. of a sudden there's all this correspondence that was routine and repetitive that is no longer showing up. So mm -hmm. it's like, oh, okay, she's a great communicator and she knows how I would communicate mm -hmm. and I trust her to communicate on my behalf. 
Teresa will not say that she was particularly strong at budgets or legal. Like, so there are parts of her job she wasn't strong. And so I just leaned into, man, she's good at these things. And then each one, I just had to, someone I hired for it. I hired Diane specifically. I needed someone who was great at budgets, great at legal. Because that was the two things with multiple businesses that were just drowning me, right? Someone who could look at financials and walk me through them quickly and with an eye for, and there's errors here, like that level of detail. Sarah was a great writer, right? And she she left this career path because that's ultimately where she wanted to go. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do with Carly because she had no track record. She just like, I was training her on the core job. And like, now I'm like, oh, you call it high person. I'm like, like, she's really good at the marketing part. And she understands that and she's learning it. And I can tell just like by her temper of her voice, she's excited about it. Mm -hmm. And for someone who's learning burst to be learning based, to be having fun and excited with her standards means she's just going to get better at it. And this is stuff that I hate. I will not listen to myself. I can't. I can't stand the sound of my voice, even on my answering machine. I remember the first time I realized I I could make my EA record that. I was like, oh my God, please. Because I used to have to call in. And hear my own voice to get to my voicemail. And yep, I just yep. don't, I'm an introvert. So like having her say, this is what we're going to do. We both intellectually know you need to be doing it, but it's the last thing I would do. But she just walks in and says, we're going to do two, two videos. They're going to be 30 seconds or less. Great director. I can, I will follow this. And as she's earned my trust, I don't have to see it before it goes out. Yes. And I'm just, all That's I'm hearing is, oh my God, what agency is doing your marketing? I said, that agency is called the Carly Fox agency. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. Well, that's huge. we have some help with technology for sure. Yeah, right. but yeah. But the, my point is, I think EAs, like beyond the core duties, I think mm-hmm. if you're paying attention, like they're human beings that have some gift that can be unlocked. And if you want them, maybe it's project management. Maybe they are truly just the assistant executive that's there to be your chief of staff and lead all the other people in your world. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're going to lean into other parts of the business, event planning, like I've seen all, like I, because I've, I've learned it, I look for it. And then yeah. you start to see like, oh, that's that special thing that those two have going on. That's a high functioning EA executive relationship. And that's the thing that is completely automated and happening at a really A plus level. And that's also kind of the reward. Like now, not just the EA jobs, I get to do this other really cool, badass thing as a part of my job. Yeah. I could not agree more. I generally talk to EAs and chiefs of staff about that very thing. They're ten they're tense. And I think that's the beauty of this, you know, right hand partner role too for us in our career is that we get to kind of explore a lot of different things and then figure out where we want to, whether it is you maybe you do want to take your career somewhere else in the future, or in, in my case and maybe yours too, Carly, that you just want to hone in on one particular area within the EA role. But I, I think that's the beauty of the position is that we kind of get to explore those different areas. But we need work. Like I think corporations need to understand that EA is not a, a stepping stone. I think a lot of yep. people say you're an assistant or an EA, you're part-time or you're full-time, and they mm-hmm. don't do any work to create. I know at one point we had four different levels of EAs here. So oh, like wow. you could actually get yeah. promotions within the role yeah. versus just having to have like a really powerful executive give you a raise. So mm. I think I think the, the business world still hasn't caught on how valuable the relationship could be in terms of ROI on the people that they value and what a gift it is. They're seeing that, I think, in VAs. You give these mid-level managers a VA, 
that takes a lot of that junk off. And it's like you gave them a massive raise because you just freed yeah. them from all of this work. So maybe I think there's still a lot of growth to go in the executive world for how undervalued this position has been and how it can be its own career path if they treat it that way. I just want to add to that, Hallie. Jay, I don't know. I mean, you are the only executive that I have ever worked with. I know I I said that before. Like I, that this is your attitude and that you feel so strongly about this role and this career path and that you are in my corner and you want me to grow and you like, you encourage me to be ambitious and you like, that's not everyone. Right. And I think we both know that. And Hallie, I just feel so grateful that this is the partner that I have, right? Because Jay's fighting with me. Like, Thank you. But I also think it's just good business, right? When we talk about, yeah. and we've written books about it, right? You need leads, listings, and leverage if you're a real estate agent, right? There are core things that make every business scale. And leverage, right, as a concept is one of them. And the highest ROI in any business relationship is the people you get in business with. Mm-hmm. And this idea, and I love that y'all call it the force and the force multiplier, even though I still think you need a one word title and that's the subtitle just because it's a lot for me to get out. But like, yes. that's very clearly kind of what yeah. it's about. Mm-hmm. But this idea of the force multiplier out there, it's just, it's a great business concept that's underutilized. And like, okay. my job is to look for the businesses who do it well. And I'm like, hey, that's really smart. We're going to friggin' do this. And it, it's second time. I had to learn. I had to be trained by multiple EAs to get here. But it's like, it's <laughs> yeah. a best practice. And people who are still tied to their control, who still want to, I think, have certain things off their, like, fill the plate of their EA with tasks that could easily be sent out to Fiverr, right? Versus yes. thinking bigger or just missing a massive opportunity. That, to yeah. me, is waste. Yes, yes, same. Yeah, I, I, could, I could not agree more. And, and Carly, even when you were just saying how much you value the the partnership, and I mean, I can hear it in both of the way you are both speaking about it. I always remind force multipliers that uh, because sometimes it can be disheartening to hear about this amazing partnership. People sometimes see me and Adam and they're like, well, that I don't have that. And yes, you can work to create it. But to me, the bottom line is there are leaders out there like Jay or like Adam who really do believe in a partnership and believe in having this strategic partner by their side, this business partner by their side. Sometimes they're a little bit harder to find, but it is so worth it, not just for career satisfaction, but also for the success of the business. So I think, thank you so much for sharing your story because it's such a great example that it does, that it does exist. It's not just me and Adam. There's a lot more more of them out there, but the more we can share this, I think the more people will understand that not only is it a, an, an option and an opportunity, but Jay, to your point that it, it is so good for the business. It's just, it's just good business. I think my dad, I remember Betty, the SEA, I think worked together for 17 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's amazing. It's and it, it, like when it works, it works. And so I do say yeah. maybe EAs should do a little bit more due diligence and do more when they're going on interviews, do a lot of interviewing right. themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So what are you both working on next? I, I'm still focused on the 20 percenter. Like we haven't hit our goals. The growth curve is starting to kick in. And we're like, we're less than a year in on a project that'll be a multi-year project. And mm-hmm. that's my bread and butter. I'm kind of a marathon runner, writer. I mean, runner, because I, I write books, right? Those are not things that we do. It's not like a blog writer. So like the idea of building an audience on a newsletter, like, we're going to hit different plateaus and ceilings and we'll have to break through them. So 
I don't know what the next barrier is going to be, but I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure it'll be around that. Mm. What do you think? I would share the same. I think like I want to continue earning the right to do more strategic things. And so as my partnership with Angela, my VA continues to grow, like I'm excited to, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a little weird, but like to keep seeing what she can do, that's going to free me up so I can be more strategic with Jay. Yeah. Very exciting. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Allie. Thanks for having us. It's fun.